0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Going to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and... Uh, in line with the message that was given in tongues and interpretation. And for those of you who are perhaps new to our church or new to Pentecost, uh, the Pentecostal experience, you can look in your Bible at 1 Corinthians 12, chapters 13 and 14, and you can see the functions of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, talked about, written about in God's Word there. And We believe that the Bible is true. Amen? We believe every portion of it is true and that God's Word is for us today and every part of it is for us today. And so uh, we are thankful for that Word that aligns with what I'm going to be preaching this morning as I talk to you about faith today and uh, and also moving. We're, we're in our series, Identity Theft. And, uh, you know, this is a series that really has been on April and my heart, uh, for a while, we're we're doing a study that that uh, parallels this, even on Wednesday night with the chatterbox and uh, talking about hearing God's voice. But a lot of that has to do with really who I am in God and who I am in Jesus Christ. And and so it's something that's been a burden. We felt a burden in this area. I feel like there's so many people that are really confused about who they are in life and who they are in Christ. And I think for that reason that we find ourselves a lot of times looking uh, for fulfillment we find ourselves looking for uh, things to uh, fill the holes in our lives uh, through other means outside of Jesus Christ and as a result a lot of people are lost uh, they've lost themselves because the enemies come in he sold them on a lie and he's stolen from them who they really are and blinded them to who they are supposed to be and so it's our goal and our heart and our desire that at the river that every person discover who their true identity is, discover their purpose, and discover their place in God's kingdom. I believe that every person in this room today has a place in God's kingdom. I believe that your place in the kingdom is in relation to your place in this church. I do believe that. And that's our goal to help you find that and discover that. But it really does start with finding out who you are in God. Uh, our serious text is found in Acts 17. Verse 28 says, For in Him, speaking of Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. Last week I talked to you about the being portion of that scripture. And I believe that who we are is the starting point for every aspect of life. It is really the starting point for for identifying our purpose, for identifying our calling. And you really have to find your center in Jesus and go to Him To really understand who you were created to be. Did you hear me this morning? I want to say it again because I'm not sure everybody in the house heard me and I, I need you to hear me today. And that is that I believe that who we are is a starting point for it all. You have to find your center in Jesus and go to Him to really understand who you were created to be. And so what I'm telling you, in other words, is apart from Him, you're lost. Apart from Him, you're struggling. Apart from Him, you're really reeling in life, struggling to find out what it's all about and finding meaning. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. Somebody say amen. Okay. I right, just want to make sure there are a few saved folks in the house today that understand that because that is critical. Notice that it doesn't say in the text, in Him we live and move and have our becoming. It says in Him we live and move and have our... Being. Now, I want you to quit thinking about what you need to become and start being what you already are. Quit thinking about, well, if I ever get to this point or that point or if this ever shapes up in my life, if I can ever get rid of this sin that just seems to be uh, drug along with me through life, then I can get to where God can actually use me. I can discover who I am in Him and I can find my place in God's kingdom. I'm telling you that you already have what you need today to do what God's asking you to do right now. It's not about becoming. Now, I'm not... Discrediting that, I'm going to talk about becoming here in a little bit. But the scripture says being. And so what I'm telling you is there's a starting point and that starting point is right here, right now, to be what God desires you to be. And you have been equipped. You have been justified if you have a relationship with God. And you have been positioned to be something right now. Amen. So quit thinking about what you need to become. Start being what you already are. Jesus Christ will unlock that for you if you'll let Him do it. He wants to unlock that for you. I'm not saying, again, that there's not a part of me that is becoming something more than what I currently am. There has to be that portion. But what I'm saying is you already are what you need to be for today. You have already been formed and equipped for the challenges that today presents. But that identity of what you currently are is only found In Jesus Christ. Scripture says in Psalms 139 and 14 I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. It says I will praise you for I am. That's a great I am statement. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an afterthought. I'm not an a, a secondary citizen in the kingdom of heaven I am fearfully and wonderfully made God made me for what I need to do right now and for what I am right now he goes on to say marvelous are your works you get the correlation he says I've been fearfully and wonderfully made and you did good I don't think this is a narcissist writing well he might have been a narcissist but, but it's not from a narcissistic point of view David is saying look I am declaring the truth of what your word says that I am fearfully and wonderful made and you did a good job God turn to your neighbor and say you did a good job God he did a good job on you he did good on you now just kind of under your breath say he did good on me too that's right that is the harder one for us to grasp. I said to you last week that nothing in this life matters if you don't know who you are. More important than purpose and more important than accomplishments is the understanding of who I am in Christ Jesus. My impact and my value starts with my being. And last week, you know, just to bring you back to where we ended and where we're starting today, I share with you concerning Peter And his confirmation of Christ, Peter and other disciples are asked the question, who do do you say that I am from Jesus? And Peter answers that question, you are the Christ. And what happens is when Peter makes that declaration, Jesus immediately makes a declaration about Peter in return. He says, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we confirm who God is, He turns around and He declares our identity over us in return. When we say, yes, you are Lord, yes, you are God, yes, you are the ruler of the universe and you are the ruler of my life, He turns and He speaks a new word over us and declares to us who we are in Him. One of the Listen to me, one of the great keys to living and overcoming Christian life is hearing and knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. When you have that realization, the Bible tells us even the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. When I know who I am, it doesn't matter what people say that I'm not. It doesn't matter what the world says that I am. When I know who I am, I can face opposition. I can deal with struggles. I can deal with difficulties because I am grounded in my identity, which is grounded in Jesus. And that makes me an overcomer. Amen. And so today, I want to use as my text Hebrews 11. It's the it's known as the faith chapter, and I would encourage you to read the chapter in its entirety. I'm only going to pull a couple of scriptures from it today, uh, just for sake of time. But it is a powerful scripture that uh, passage that will build your faith if you'll allow it to do so. It gives the account of people who have operated and lived by faith uh, in their lives, and and if you'll you'll read the highlights there in uh, the chapter. Uh, 11 and you'll see all the great things they accomplished but it would be a great study for you to go back and see where they dropped the ball in their life as well because I think that helps us we, we read the highlights a lot of times and we think man I can never live up to that well if you go and see who these people are and really their failures in life and see how God used them anyway we can all feel that we are adequately equipped to do whatever God is asking us to do amen amen And so it's a testimony of their faithfulness in the midst of trials and difficulties. Their faith is an expression of their understanding of first who they are in Christ and second a belief that that understanding of who they were required them to move in that understanding. It's not just people who understand who they are but they also understand that how they live translates from who they are. Their activity begins to be defined by who they are. And they operate based on faith out of the understanding of who they are and what that requires them to do in the kingdom of God. It is not enough for us today. And hear what I'm saying. It is not enough for you. It is not enough for me to know who we are. We have to operate in that understanding. You have to move. It's not enough for you to understand, I am a child of God. I am His workmanship and do nothing with that reality. When you get that understanding and that revelation comes to you, and God begins to fill your life with who you are and that identity. It's not enough for you just to receive that and be, okay, I'm good now. We have to move on that because your identity dictates that you do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. You have to move. In Him we live and move and have our being. So today I want to focus on the moving part of the scripture. Let's pray. Father we thank you Lord today for your power. I thank you that I am anointed, that I am equipped that I have come Lord with your words to speak to this congregation Father and I thank you that you are going to help me to communicate the truths of your word and the truth of of this biblical understanding God that will release us to be all that you have called us to be. Lord I thank you that in this place today identities are being realized. That people are no longer submitting themselves to the identity that has been spoken over them by the world and by others, but, Father, simply submitting to what you say over their lives and operating in the understanding that that requires me to operate in faith and to move in my life according to that understanding. Father, I pray your anointing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My first point is this, that hope alone won't get you moving. Hope alone won't get you moving. Hope and faith are not the same thing. Now you can clearly see that in Scripture this morning. If you look at it, it says, faith is the substance Of things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hope and faith are not the same thing, but hope is the starting point for faith. It is the initiator of faith. I might say it to you like this that hope is the gasoline, but faith is the accelerator. Hope is not enough to get you moving. If you just put gas in your car, that car will just sit there, it will not move. It can sit there and idle and it can run till it runs out of gas. But until you put it in, in drive and you hit that accelerator, you are not getting any movement in your life. And hope is the same thing. You can hope till you're, till, till the day <laughs> turns dark, but it won't change anything. You have to move hope into faith. And you have to start operating out of that understanding. That if I'm going to move, that it takes action and it requires me to do something. The Bible says, uh, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so hope is great. We all need hope. You can't have faith without hope. Hope is the starting point. But you've got to move it from hope to faith. Now, I want to stop for a minute because I believe that there's a lot of people in this place today that you've probably lost hope. You've hoped for things so long that and they've not happened in your life and you've just lost some some hope. I want to tell you today that new hope can be found in Jesus this morning. New direction, new life, new, new, new purpose can be discovered in Jesus Christ. He needs you and desires for you to have hope in your life. You feel like perhaps that is never going to happen for you. Let me start by helping you try to get your hope back by saying the God of this universe knows exactly where you are today. He has not lost track of you and He has not forgotten your situation. It's not outside of His awareness this morning. If you're not happy with where you are today, don't give up hope that it will be different. Stuck, Pastor. I've been in this same place in my life for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm losing hope in it ever changing. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I'm going to try to help you this morning because what happens is we have to move our hope from being just hope and get it into a place of faith, put some action with it, and let it begin to produce the evidence of the things that we're hoping for. Start believing. That what God says in His Word is true. And what it says to me is this. This is what it says to me in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Seeking And finding, searching, all of those are action words. They require something from me. It doesn't just happen because I'm hoping. It happens because I take my hope and I put action with it and I produce faith with it and it starts to materialize the things that I've been hoping for and looking for and waiting for. They start to happen in my life. Hope is the initiator of faith. But hope alone is not enough. Hope must become faith for it to produce in your life the fruits of joy, peace, etc. You can hope all day that things are going to be different and end every day with the same reality. And here's what will happen if that, if that is the case in your life. And that's the case, I believe, for, for some in this room. That what happens over time is hope turns deadly if it's not utilized as a catalyst for faith uh, faith to grow. It turns deadly. How's that? Because I hope and I hope and I hope over and over again and nothing ever happens. I'm sitting in my car and it's idling and I'm not moving. Why is that? Because I'm hoping, but I'm not putting anything with my hope. I'm not moving it into action and causing it to produce in my life. And what will happen over time is you can hope for something to change and get so frustrated, so discouraged, so depressed, so beat down because you're hoping with all of your passion and your mind, but nothing is changing in my life. So hope can turn deadly. It must be used as a catalyst for faith. It's like vision. Vision and hope are really kind of the same thing. It's a picture of a future I want. It's a a design of something that I desire in my life. But if I don't do anything with them, they become very frustrating to me because I see what I could have, I'm hoping for what I want, but it's not happening for me. Do you believe in this place today that God wants to give you a picture of something and not bring it to fulfillment in your life? What kind of cruel and punishing God would He be if he paints a beautiful picture and my life is filled with hope for something different and yet he keeps me from that. what he's, he's not keeping you from it. What he's doing is he's waiting on you to move in your identity and to release faith in the situation and begin to allow him to come into the scene and begin to produce and materialize the very things that you want. But it takes you moving. According to Hebrews 11 and 1, hope has no substance right i mean look at it let's look at the verse again it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for so if i look at that i can see that hope has no substance there's nothing there for god to build upon it takes my faith to put substance to it faith is the substance faith is the evidence faith is what materializes the immaterial It is what makes the intangible tangible. It is what makes the invisible visible. It's faith that does that. Hope won't get you moving. Faith is what causes movement towards your destiny and your purpose. Faith is hope plus action. And it is movement that originates out of your very destiny. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying that when we understand who we are we can begin to hope for what God has planned for us based on that identity but when i put my faith with it and i say yes god i receive that i believe that and i'm going to operate as though that is true then i put faith with it and i begins to produce the destiny that god has spoken over my life am i the only one that's excited about this i feel a purpose I feel a destiny in my life. I don't feel like just an average person in the world. I feel like God has called me, ordained me, equipped me, and prepared me for something more than just constant, uh, just mediocre, and just normality. I want more than that. And I hope that in each and every one of you, something kicks and stirs in your life that desires more than just that. Well, Pastor, I just want to go and make enough money to pay my bills. That's terrible. There's more to life than that. I just want to go home and my wife not nag at me. There's more to life than that. Am I telling the truth? We just want enough to just not be bothered. I don't want to just not be bothered. I want to make a difference in the world around me. And I need some people that have that same desire that says I'm not content to just sit here and not do anything that matters in the kingdom, but to find my purpose out of my destiny and go and change the world in the process. Amen. I'm just going to preach to myself this morning. Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He, speaking of God, is, and that He, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. So if it's, if it's just hope, it's not enough. i got to have some faith to please the Lord. Why? Because faith puts action into my life and it causes me to move. And so I find that in Him I live and I move and yes, I have my being. I'm moving with Him. I'm moving out of the identity that He's given given me. It says, for he who comes to Him must believe that He is, right? We have to believe that God is God, that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God and that He, being God, is a rewarder of those who are diligently seeking after Him who are actively engaged in pursuing Him who are looking to fulfill God's plan for their life and to do what God has destined and created them to do that when I'm walking that way God is looking for ways to reward me and bless me in my journey so here's my second point is this, that activity flows out of identity. Activity flows out of identity. We think, we think, the world's mindset is this, that identity flows out of activity. You don't believe me? I'll prove it to you. If I come to you and I say, who are you? The first thing that's going to pop in your mind is what you do. Well, I work at so-and-so. Ask people that question. Because it's an odd question. Who are you? You know, I mean, they may give you their name or whatever, but when you're saying, who, who are you really? Well, well I'm a dad. I'm, 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 uh, I work for uh, the River Assembly of God. I, I do this. And they start telling you their activities. But I'm saying to you that our activity has to flow out of our identity. It has to flow out of who we are in God. If I can find, we think that if I can find the right thing to do, I will discover who I am and find the happiness I've been looking for. I deal with it all the time in a counseling session or just casually talking to people or whatever. They believe that if they can find something that makes them happy, that they can really discover who they are. It won't work. It works for a season until that new thing, becomes an old thing or an average thing or a common thing and then we began to go on another search for who we are. I say to you that that that, that might work for a season but it will never fulfill you in the way that God intends for you to be fulfilled. A person with an identity crisis is always finding new activities and never finishing old ones. Man, I could preach there. They're always looking for the next thing and never finishing what they've already started because it's lost its luster. It's lost its excitement. It's lost its fun. And there is no grounding in identity and the reality of who I am to hold me in place to fulfill the activity that I've already begun. I know from my own experience, I have an individual in my family who's got a new project about every two or three months, they're, they're a, you know, a craftsman this week and then, then they're, they're preaching at their church the next week. They're teaching a Sunday school class the week after that and they're doing all of these things trying to find their identity. And they're looking for their identity through their activity. And I'm saying, if you want the right activity, find your identity first because activity flows out of identity. Let's look at the verse again. It says, without faith. Faith is my hope plus my willingness to step forth toward an envisioned hope. It is impossible to please Him. Does that mean that unless I am moving toward my purpose and design that I cannot please God? Is that what you're saying, Pastor? Well, I would agree with that, but don't forget the point. The point is this, that activity flows out of identity. God is more concerned, listen to me, with who you are than what you are doing. He's always going to be more concerned with who you are than what you're doing. And so don't get activity before identity. It has to stay in the right order. It says that for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is God. It is impossible for you to please God apart from a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Do you hear me today? You cannot please God apart from a relationship with him. Through Jesus. If you're going to come before the Lord, before God, and please God, you've got to do it through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to do it. There is no other way. Let me say that again. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. Okay. Through Jesus, that's it. When when you know who He is, it becomes necessary for you to receive who you are. That's the next step. Verse 6 goes on to say, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So as I seek Him, He rewards me. And part of that reward, the initiation of that reward, the initial thing He gives me is my identity. So how do I please God then? You please God by doing this, by recognizing who He is and receiving who He declares you to be. Who you are becoming Listen to me, who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing. What you are doing will naturally flow out of an understanding of who you are and that is what pleases God. Because that's what He created you for. That's what He made you for. When God was planning you, when God was going through His shop of gifts and talents, And abilities. And putting the perfect set together to create you. He did it with a purpose in mind. And that identity is so crucial for you to understanding that purpose. And if you want to please God, you have to know who you are and then you have to operate in that understanding. You have to operate based on that understanding. And that releases faith in you, it grows you, and it fulfills you, which is what we are all seeking for. Who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing. I, I can't stress that point enough. I can't preach it enough. Because we are so ingrained with a works mentality that what I'm doing is somehow gaining the approval of God. God's not, you're not gaining God's approval. You already have it. He's already given it to you. That's based on who you are when you please Him by operating out of that reality, that moves the heart of God because He says they get it. They understand it. They're operating based on what I made them for. And that makes me even happier. The who is always more important than the what, the when, the where, and the why. And when you understand that, that is such freedom. It's freedom because if I mess up, and I make a mistake or I fall short, it hasn't changed who I am. It hasn't forfeited the approval of God because that's wrapped up in who I am, not in what I'm doing. And so I haven't lost out with Him, but I have been secured by Him through my identity in Him. Now let me just, let me just talk for just a second about that because I'm not saying to you That that gives you a license to do whatever you want to do and to live like the devil and claim that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what I'm saying to you is you really know who you are? Automatically, things that align with God's plan for your life will show up in your life. And there won't be the byproducts of sin uh, residing and, and staying and hanging around. Not that we won't mess up but we'll quickly realign ourselves with God's purpose in that identity. So what I don't want is this. I don't want you going out of here saying, well, God saved me, I know who I am, I'm a child of God, and I can do whatever I want to. Oh, no, you can't. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying if you truly have a relationship with Him, you're going to want to keep a relationship with Him. And you're going to want to do things that align yourself with who He is. Who He is. I'm not saying today that apart from Him, you know, the Bible says apart from Him I cannot please Him. Apart from Him I can do nothing, the Word tells us. But in Him and with Him I cannot disappoint God. When I am living in Christ and walking with Christ, it doesn't matter what I do, He's proud of me. Are you saying, Pastor, that activity has nothing to do with it? I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, that if you know who He is, and you know who He has said you are, that you can't help but move on that understanding. Activity flows out of identity, and when I discover who I am in Christ, Jesus, activity is a byproduct, godly activity is a byproduct of that understanding. Tony Stolfus, another book that we're reading, he says this, he says, ministry flows out of being, who you are is what you have to give. Who you are is what you have to give. We were talking in our link class today. And by the way, we had about 20 in our link class today. People that want to get involved in our church, get connected in our church. That's fantastic. But one of the things that we're talking about there is, look, you have a place here. God, you hadn't stumbled into this place and, and found yourself in this church for no reason. God ordained that and destined that to happen. He puts you here. And He puts you here because there's a hole that needs to be filled by you. And so ministry flows out of being who you are is what you have to give. And so whoever you are right now, that's what you have to give. Let's just find where it fits and where it works in the kingdom. Amen. I'm going to ask him to come to the keyboard this morning. It says, when you, put, when you put activity before identity, it causes you to get stuck in your current reality. When you put activity before your identity, it causes you to get stuck in your current reality. I get so busy doing that I have stopped becoming. And I'm telling you, it's easy to do. That we get so busy in life that we stop working toward a goal and we stop working toward a plan. We start just just surviving. God's never called you to that. God doesn't desire that for you. I can get so busy that I stop becoming what God is creating me to be And where He's working in my life. I can easily lose myself amongst the activity of life and that is not God's plan for me. I can easily lose myself amongst the activity of life and that is not God's plan for me. Now listen, the gap between my Christ-likeness and my world-mindedness ought to be expanding, not narrowing hear me, the gap between my being more like Christ and my world mindedness ought to be expanding that ought to be an increasing gap if that gap looks like this and there ain't a lot of difference between my church life and my world something's wrong there it ought to be growing, it ought to be expanding, it ought to be changing and I just say, I say this often, I don't say it all the time you're going to hear it a lot If you look like you did five years ago, as far as your spiritual life, what's the problem? Because we ought to be different a year from now than we are right now. We ought to be closer to Jesus. We ought to look more like Christ. We ought to have let go of some of our worldly thinking and laid that down and embraced what Christ has for us. That gap has to be expanding. It has to be growing. I have to be careful that once I find my identity in Christ that I don't later try to separate it from Him and then separate it to the world. We see it happen a lot. The people come in, they're radically changed and, and they, they, they begin to look so much different and they start looking like Christ. They discover their identity And over time, they put that identity to practice and their activity is aligned with that. Before long, they start separating their identity from Jesus. And their activity, yes, looks godly and it looks right, but it really has nothing to do anymore with God because it's been unplugged from the life source. And what starts happening is they start looking like some of the former things that God has taken them from. They pick up old habits... They may try to align themselves with the world's idea of what they should look like based on the activity they're doing. And I'm just saying that there has to be a gap that is expanding. And if we're going towards what the world's idea of us should be, then we're going the wrong direction. Amen. Would you stand with me across this place this morning? Who I am and who I am becoming is the most important thing to God. When I come before Him, acknowledging Him as Lord and receiving from Him my identity, I can't help but allow Him and His purpose to cause movement in my life. The key to this is constantly, constantly coming before Him. The Word says seeking Him and allowing Him to continue to speak His truth over my life. I can't disconnect. But He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, our altars workers would come. I want to talk first to the church this morning. Are you here and you're looking for that happiness today? And you've been unable to find it. Maybe you felt like your hope has been forfeited. You've been looking for fulfillment through activity. You're, You're coming up short. Have you lost hope and need a fresh dose of hope this morning? God's here to give it to you. Have you gotten a lot of activity in the way of discovering and knowing your identity? If you have, would you come? Would you come and let one of these pray with you and you come in agreement with them that God will refresh your hope this morning? He will begin to speak to you about your identity and your purpose that flows out of that. Maybe you've gotten sidetracked by other things and it's time to realign yourself with God's purpose and His plan for your life. If that's you, would you come? Would you come and let these who care for you, who desire the best for you, to pray for you? If you have a need this morning, if you have a situation in your life that needs prayer, the altars are open. Would you come? Now with every head bowed and every eye still closed across this place, if you're here today and you need to come before the Lord and you need to discover who He is and who you are in Him, today would be a great day to make that step. If you're here and you say, I'm not saved, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord, I have not made a declaration of who He is in my life and who He's going to be in my life. And I need to confess Him as Lord of my life today. If that's you would, you, would you step out of your seat right where you are and come find one of these people to pray with you in the altars today and say, that's me. I need to give my life to the Lord this morning. I need to make a fresh commitment. I need to be saved today. I'm lost and I'm looking to be found this morning. If that's you, would you come? We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at seven p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Berkronette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us me more Till i found found myself Face down on your shore You say come to the wind. <laughs>